Yes, it's me, the Pied Piper, coming out of the desert. My Piper follows me wherever I go. My companion, he has the map in the bag, actually. So I depend on him, too. Isn't it wonderful we have to depend on one another as a Christian family? We really do. I have to depend on you praying for me. I depend on you listening to me. I depend on you reading my book. I depend on you to listen to my music. I depend on, we depend on people. Let's face it, a world without people, we're a world of animals. <laughs> and I can depend on you. I can. And you can depend on me. Except when I have COVID, I take a wig off. And even then, I won't do that again. I will crawl in this room. I will just crawl all the way to this microphone. Forget that stupid plague, bioweapon. That's a plague. That's part of the plague. That's a bioweapon, people. That ain't no soot and flu. <laughs> You're listening to Mystic Guide. I am your host tonight on Enlightenment Radio, and I am so excited. We're going to continue our teaching on our kingdom reign, the fulcrum, the cause, the main crux of me writing that book was for constantly all my life I knew we were going to just not inherit and go to heaven la dee da what if he gives you a mansion remember he said Jesus Christ says where I go my father has many mansions and he gives you, he's going to give you one well what if I had a kingdom mansion here on earth what if I had ten of them I go up to heaven <laughs> and that mansion is just a Kind of a puny little mansion compared to what I had. Well, that's just a thought. <laughs> Don't hold on to that. We are going to show you, word by word, from the scriptures, and I've already established it last week, and I'm not going to go over anything last week, basically because you can listen to the podcast, part one. Refresh your mind. We're leading up to the point where... We get rewards, I guess I'll repeat some. We get rewards, our word, reward, Jesus Christ said, I appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father has appointed unto me, and it's a galactic-sized kingdom. Here's the keys to Galaxy 9 when you get up there. Do I need to say more? So I will start with a few false prophets. Where did this millennial kingdom baloney come from where did it come from when did it start that we we're not going to heaven when did it start that we're going to stay here on earth for a thousand years millennium kingdom you will not find one verse not one verse in any of the church epistles written to us referring to a millennial kingdom or him reigning a thousand years so what do you care it's in the book of revelations and we'll be gone Look, do you ever notice that it says, if it's for the apostles, it's for the Jews, it's for the... It says that there are 12 pillars there representing the apostles. The apostles aren't nowhere in the book of Revelations. They're not on earth. They're gone. They're with us. I hope I bring that up in my book. I will. And besides, if we're going to be kings and judges of the apostles... How long does it take us to judge an apostle? <laughs> a week? A few days? A few hours? Over with. Next. Paul? No. You're next. <laughs> We're not going to be seated in the kingdom 
of the millennial kingdom here on earth, which is called paradise, technically. They don't know that. They never call it paradise. They call it heaven. They think that this thing, this kingdom millennium on earth is heaven. Well, listen to this pastor. I can't remember his name. It doesn't matter. But I'm going to tell you something. He's on TV. He's got a large audience. So I'm going to share from three pastors. One is, uh, I know who they are when, they, when I see them. I'll get his name at the break. Anyway, let's listen to what he we says. We come before you in the name of the Lord Jesus. He's praying. Father, we love your leadership. We love your presence. We love your son. We love the way you love us. Lord, I ask you to inspire our hearts. Illumine our understanding. Give us supernatural insight. Give us those sparks of insight that come from your spirit. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, stop it right there. Whoa, whoa. Back up. He's praying to God, to his flock, and he thanks you in the name of Jesus. Right there, that tells me the man does not know the vocabulary of God and does not know that saying a prayer in the name of Jesus is incomplete because Jesus Christ is a complete, glorified, crucified, resurrected one, seated at the right hand of God. Jesus isn't. Jesus is dead. Jesus Christ is alive. And these pastors and these people that raise their hands and say, Jesus only, praise Jesus, thank you, Jesus, they're all out of Context. They're not speaking God's vocabulary. It just irks me, but I'll keep going. Well, tonight I'm going to talk about one of the most exciting and relevant topics in the entire Bible. And it's what really? heaven's about. We all think about heaven a little bit, but I got good news for you. Why. Heaven is going to come down to the earth. Let me repeat that. Let me, let me, let me back this guy up just a little bit. Did he say that heaven's going to be here on earth? <clears throat> a lot of believers, they don't have that clear yet. Look, look at okay, Romans 1. Just bear with me. That's a false prophet. Right away. He doesn't know the vocabulary of God. He doesn't speak the word of God. He doesn't write it by the word of God. That's what Jesus referred to as a false prophet. The kingdom of heaven's coming down to earth. <laughs> Nobody... Very few people know about this topic. Well, I wonder why we've been teaching we've been going to heaven for 2,000 years, and you come along, and you decide we're not going to heaven, we're going to come back down to earth? Again, I love this topic so much. It's very, very practical and very personal for your life once you understand it. How does that it's work? Like how does heaven come I down to earth? I think about this topic in work? very practical ways. And again, Nobody as a can explain uh, it. pastor for many years, many Par they just believers don't get don't the know difference between paradise and heaven. Subject, and it's our eternal destiny that we're going to live in heaven, but heaven's coming down to the earth, and we're going to live on this earth with supernatural there bodies there in, in the New, New Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Your and hand. it's a glorious story. <laughs> That's what I thought. And there's a lot of information in the Bible about it, but it's almost completely ignored. I want to know about this. Paragraph A. Understanding the biblical perspective of heaven is very important because it affects how you see your future. It affects how you live. I heard a preacher say this, that if you don't think rightly about heaven, 
you'll end up not thinking about heaven at all. I want to say that again. If you don't have right thoughts about heaven, it's just kind of something, I don't know, vague, floating on a cloud, playing a harp, I guess, something like that. If you don't think rightly about heaven, you will rarely think about heaven. And if you rarely think about heaven, it will really affect the way you live or the choices that you make. I'm going to talk about a book here. Look at this here on paragraph A. And we're not going to cover all the notes, just so you know, I always give a lot more notes than I cover in the teaching. There's a book. It is my new favorite book. And I've been reading Christian books for 50 years. This is my new favorite one. I found it a year ago. It's called Imagine Heaven. How many of you have read that book? Well, then you guys got the, a, a great surprise coming your way. This book, I, I encourage you to get the audio book. You get the, the hard copy or the audio or the digital, but the audio, I put a, a, an ear pod in and probably two or three nights a week, I will put that in my ear and listen to it for 30, 40 minutes. As I, I mean, I've done this for a year. I've probably gone through it. I'm making up the number probably eight or 10 times. I cannot get, hear this enough. I got up early this morning and listened to it for a half hour. I absolutely love it. Or you can go on YouTube, and the man who wrote the book, he'll give you, he has all kinds of interviews with the people. It's people that have had near-death experiences. He's studied a 1,000 cases of people who died or medically was dead. Their spirit went before God. Some saw heaven, some saw hell, some all these different experiences, a 1,000 of them. And he takes probably the main 50 I got or 100, for you. and he breaks First of all, down he's now promoting the what occult. a thousand people would testify, the dead and alive. then he references some other guy Not only is he a false prophet, who has got 3,000 an testimonies, an and it's remarkable witchcraft. how... So, near-death experiences, power to you experience it, I've experienced it, out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences is not scriptural. There's no scriptures in non-death. What it does is, is it makes you devil spirits deceive you into believing there's somewhere to go where you'll be alive in another life. It also means it validates what Paul said in Timothy, and I'm going to paraphrase it. They do err, not knowing the scriptures, thinking that the resurrection has passed already. So if somebody's in heaven now and somebody's in hell now, then they've already gone through the judgment. These guys are whacked. Sorry, sorry. Next. Oh, by the way, that was, uh, I wouldn't do him justice if I didn't give his name. That is uh, Mike Bickle, official. Mike Bickle, Heaven on Earth, an overview of the Millennial Kingdom. It's on YouTube if you want to listen to that crap. Okay. Now, this is David. Uh, I used to listen to him all the time. He's passed away now. I'll respect that. Where is he? No, that's him. One, let's go back one. That, Dr. Jeremiah, he's out of San Diego. He's passed away, so I will respectfully not say anything derogatory about his life and his legacy. However, he's a false prophet. <laughs> that's not disrespectful. That's just me. That's why Jesus Christ said to his apostles and disciples and everybody, he says, when he said the truth to them, that he would be dead and raised. He says, does this offend you? And many of them walked away and never came back to him. That's true. 
Does this offend you? That's what I tell people. What he's doing, he's reciting a Christmas carol, and he's showing that it hasn't come to pass yet. ...prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. Only during the millennium, which comes after the second advent of Christ, will the words of joy to the world really be fulfilled. Only during that time we'll be able to sing these words with real meaning in our heart. Now, in your Bibles, there is a place to which you should turn, which is the central passage for this discussion, and it's the 20th chapter of the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20 introduces the... Notice, my flock, my Christian friends, that this is the only verse in the Bible that refers to a millennial kingdom. The only verse. They're hanging their hats on one verse. I hate to roll the dice on one verse. Glorious reign of Christ on this earth, which is known as the millennium. Now, let's uh, take the mystery out of the term millennium. It is a Latin word which is made up of two words. The words mille, which mean a thousand, and the word annum, which means years. Mille annum, a thousand years. So the word millennium means a thousand years. And the text of Revelation chapter 20 is the only place in the Bible where that actual word appears. And it appears in the text six different times. If you look down in your Bibles, you will notice in verse 2 it says, He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, for a millennium. Verse 3, And the nations no more were deceived for a thousand years. A millennium. Verse 4, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. A millennium. Verse 5, and the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years was finished. There it is again. Verse 6, over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a millennium. A thousand years. Mille. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back up a minute. Whoa. The rest of the dead. The rest of the dead. I thought you had an out-of-body or oh, uh, after-death experience. All the dead were alive. Look, listen to this. How does that compute? Now, he didn't, he's not the one that's promoting the book, The Out-of-Death Experiences. By the way, that book, I looked it up, is called Imagine Heaven, Near-Death Experiences, God's. Anyway, I don't know the author. Let's get the man continue. He just says the dead won't, the rest of the dead won't be alive till a thousand years later. So how are we seeing, you know, the rest of the dead are those that go to hell. And it's not a long, fiery, burning furnace. It's just the grave. It's a dark pit. It's all, you're just gone. No such thing as burning forever for people. I'm going to put that in appendix in my book one day. So if the rest of the dead, which is the, which is the resurrection of the just and the unjust, he's talking about the resurrection of the unjust. Well, how could they be judged and people a thousand years from Revelation? And these people are having out-of-body experiences over, I'm sorry, having after-death experiences and seeing the dead that have already been judged. They're conflicting themselves. And them a thousand years. 
verse 7, now when the thousand years had expired, Satan will be released from his prison. The millennium is a period of 1,000 years that is going to take place in the future, and it is a very important subject for us to discuss. Now, I need to tell you that there is no more subject in all of Bible prophecy that is more controversial than this one. There are, first of all, three perspectives on the millennium. Roman numeral one, three perspectives on the millennium. Church history has seen the rise of three competing views. Now, it may not seem important to you what a person might think about the thousand years, but it is very important because what a person thinks about that thousand-year period gives away their understanding as to how the Bible should be interpreted. And we're going to see that in a few moments. First of all, there are some people who refer to themselves as post-millennialists. Now, I'm not trying to get theological with you today, and I haven't gone back to review my seminary notes, but you need to understand these terms so you will see what I'm talking about. Post-millennialism. Let me tell you what that means. That means that a certain group of people believe that Jesus Christ will not come back to this earth until after the thousand years of kingdom living have happened. And here's how they interpret it. This was invented by a Unitarian minister by the name of Daniel Whitby in the mid-17th century. Isn't that what the and last pastor said? Church, in other words, we, in another way, he said, that's what you think about, about heaven. The millennium through if the that's what you think. Gospel. He says the same thing. According to his view, as more and more people across the globe are converted, the world will gradually be conquered for Christ. God's justice will prevail across the earth, and Jesus will at last, Return to a utopian world to take up the throne that was won him by his church. Now, I need to tell you, that view flourished until World War I. At the end of World War I, people began to doubt whether this had any credibility or not. You know, World War I, the motto was, make the world safe for democracy. <laughs> well, <laughs> post-millennialism started to falter a little bit because it became apparent to everyone that the world wasn't getting better and better. Justice wasn't prevailing more and more. And when World War II came, the world war that was to end all world wars, post-millennialism primarily died. And it ceases to be a major player on the stage, though it has had a somewhat recent revival under some very strange circumstances. Post-millennialism, which says the world's going to get better and better and better until ultimately it's so good that it's a fit place for Jesus to come back to. Aren't you glad that isn't true? Because it, the signs aren't so good, are they? Jesus may never get back the way we're going if we believe that. And then there's another view, which is sometimes referred to as ah millennialism. I want to hear you all say that. Ah millennialism. Now, whenever you put the word ah in front of a word, it ne negates the balance. I'll cut him short here. I'll explain it to you what they think. Post millennials, they think that uh, we go through the Great Tribulation. They think that we partially go through the Great Tribulation. Or they think that the dead in Christ and alive in Christ will be raised before the great tribulation. Well, I teach that in my chapter 7. I've taught it to you. I've even brought part 2 back in a better teaching. So go to that uh, podcast, The Rapture, The Gathering, and The Quickening. It is so different, so contrary to what they teach and think because it's biblical. <laughs> okay, this is one last one. That was uh, 
David. From San Diego, I would be disrespectful if I didn't say his name. Let me go there. David Jeremiah, that's him. Okay, now, back to one more teaching by the greatest false prophet I've ever heard. He thinks Jerusalem <laughs> is going to be saved before we are. This guy's a nut job. John Hagee from Texas. And then he's going to establish his son in the city of Jerusalem. There will be no longer the battle for Jerusalem. See how he magnifies Jerusalem? He magnifies the Jews above Christians. That is just insane. He's always done it. And there are no Jews. He's talking about a group that doesn't even exist. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, the conqueror of death, hell, and the grave, is going to set up his kingdom in the city of Jerusalem, and we're going to be there forever and forever and forever, triumphant in the final game of thrones. So this book seems to be something that you're declaring is kind of Genesis to Revelation that you're weaving a story through. Um, where did this book come from? I mean, what, 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 what started this? I mean, you've, writ you've written 39 other books, and this one is very different in that regard. Where did the thought come from, in other words? Well, the thought of having a continuous theme was the fact that the Bible, when written, 25% of it was prophetic. And if 25% of it is prophetic, it is imperative that the body of Christ fully understands that from day one, God has been in absolute control. Nothing that any dictator has ever done has caught him by surprise. No empire that's ever come to power came to power without his permission. And every sparrow that flies through the air does by the permission of God. God has this chaotic condition of America in the midst of his hand, and it is orchestrated to the nth degree. Nothing is going to happen without God's permission. When you get through reading this and see how exact prophecy is, there's one prophecy in here that I call the greatest prophecy that came true 173,000 days after it was prophesied to the day. You just can't do that by random chance. It shows the exactness of the prophetic word. Okay. So if you just tuned in, this is a um, beautiful day here in Southern California. It is, it is just absolutely one of those perfect days. This is a really so interesting location. So there's the biggest false prophet that I've, con that, that I've confronted. These false prophets magnify the Jews. And I'll show you. Just read, just read Ezekiel 37. Mark that down. Read it tomorrow. Read it today before you go out to you leave your house. If you're a lady or a man, whatever, read it with your wife. Read it with your brother. Read, read it with each other. Read it in English. Read it in Hindi. It says the same thing. That Jews, all of Israel is dead. There are no descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whom he mentioned there. That has to be seed. And they kept their records up to... Uh, 70 AD when Romans destroyed the new temple again and everything was destroyed the records the Jews scattered around the world and if you mate with another mate and another mate and another mate and another mate after 2,000 years you're not a Jew you're just another impure bread person a mongrel 
I mean, I'm just telling you. Trying to save you the time. From all eternity, Jerusalem will return. Yes. Where does Jerusalem come down? It comes down from heaven to earth. But that doesn't mean we occupy Jerusalem. That's, that's for the Jews. And God said, you see them bones, Ezekiel? I'm going to breathe life into those bones. Israel, all Israel is dead. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all their seed are dead. These people over in Israel right now who are fighting for their lives. I respect Israel. I respect the Middle East. No, I don't. It's a pit of demons. Israel is full of demons. Hamas is evil. Hamas, Hezbollah, all of them, Iran, they're evil, demons. So don't be fooled. Go to my website, the Holy Spirit Social Club. It tells you all about the extinct. Are the Jews extinct? The Holy Spirit Social Club. Is it the? Let me look. Holy Spirit Social Club. My bad. HolySpiritSocialClub.com. I have written it all about the Jews and their extinction. They are gone. And I'll debate any Jew alive. Dennis Prager, Roberts, <laughs> Benjamin Netanyahu, Barbara Streisand, Woody Allen. I'll debate all of them. They're not Jews. I've, I've talked to rabbis. I said, how do you know you're a Jew? He said, my mother told me. They don't go by records, and they don't go by the male side of the seed anymore. And I digress. So now let's go into our scripture, our kingdom reign, what we have treasured in the heavens. Okay? What is our treasure in the heavens? Here a few clicks in the background. That's just me. Moving around. Things I should have done before we started. But I'm ready to go. The voice of Enigma. Is there one in Hindi? I think there is. Voice of Enigma in Hindi. Ultimate knowledge. Voice of Enigma. Anyway, here we go. Back to where we left off. In our wonderful chapter, Our Kingdom Reign, which I believe is chapter 9 in my book, our inheritance is reserved where? In heaven, not earth. Now, wait a minute. If our inheritance is reserved, kept in store, that's like going to the bank, opening your lockbox, and there's your inheritance, and it's in heaven. Then you go back to earth. <laughs> These frickin' false prophets are idiots. For you had compassion, this is a quote, for you had compassion of me in my bonds and took joyfully for the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Darn, I wish I would have looked that word up, substance, before I started. Maybe I'll have time. I'll bring it up next part. Hebrews 10.34, this knowing in your soul comes from God in the spirit of truth that is created in you, created in you. That create means to bring it to existence, that which never existed before. 
So why would he take all that trouble to create a spiritual being in you and bring it back to an earthly existence? I gotta catch my breath. This causes me, <laughs> this causes me no end of, what do they call it? Pressure, <laughs> not pressure. This knowing in you comes from God. But our citizenship, check this out. This is the word of God that God gave to Paul by revelation from the mystery. This is part of the mystery which was not known. People, this is the mystery. Our citizenship, if you're a citizen of India, if you're a citizen of America, so be it. But our citizenship now has moved. It's changed. God handed us a new citizenship in heaven. And from it, heaven, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 3.20. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Doesn't say millennial kingdom. Nowhere in the scriptures written to us are we told about a millennial kingdom. Pardon me if I get too loud. So the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory and forever and forever. Well, there's the glory. There's no glory in a millennial kingdom. That thief that died with him on the cross next to him was not going to get born again because it had not been available. So that's why Jesus Christ had to tell him, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And that comes after today. I say unto you today, not I say unto you today, thou shalt be with me in heaven. You got to look that up. It's in my uh, Holy Spirit Social Club also. Do you know there was four crucified with Christ? Thought I dropped that in there. Uh, but our citizenship is in heaven. Amen. Second Timothy four eighteen. It doesn't get any clearer than this. Don't be blinded by any deception. Uh, let me repeat that in a footnote. Let no man beguile you of your reward. Wow. Wow. I'm glad I read that footnote. These false prophets are beguiling you. They're deceiving you and cheating you out of your heavenly reward. That's what the devil does. I am come, Jesus said, to give you life. Well, he says, the thief cometh not but for steal, kill, and destroy. Well, once you're born again, what can he do from you? Nothing. But he can steal from you your thoughts that your kingdom is in heaven and make you think you're coming back to earth. Wow. Colossians 2.18, let no man beguile you of your reward. Your reward is a kingdom a galactic-sized kingdom. And these people are cheating you out of it. Absolutely they're cheating you out of it. It gives me high blood pressure, and I don't get high blood pressure. Every time I go to the doctor, every time, I am 100% clear blood pressure. I am. I'll be back in a moment. You are in tune to Enlightenment Radio, home of the ultimate knowledge of body, soul, and spirit. 
and unlimited music 24 7. and visit our website at enlightenment-radio.com. There you can journey through the mystical voyage and also view our schedule of programming. Thank you for listening. citizens of heaven, our treasures laid up in heaven, and God raised up us up with Christ and seated us. Wait a second. He seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus. What do they do with these verses, people? What do these false prophets do with these verses? They close their eyes and just kind of go by. You see, these are the verses that rightly divide the mystery. The mystery is we will be seated in Christ. We have the glory of Christ, the sanctification, the redemption, the righteousness of God now in the eyes of God. To sit or be seated with is a position of honor and authority. Quote, and he opened his mouth to speak blasphemies, abusive speech, and slander against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, and those who are who live in heaven. Wait a second. You know what that's from? That's from Revelation 13, 6. So if he's saying those are black people are blaspheming, those are devil spirits who are being cast out later on. And those who live in heaven, Revelation 13, 6. There are two references of us already being in heaven in Revelation. Why do they ignore them? They don't bring those up. I do. This absolutely settles the pre- or post-tribulation debate, which the man started to talk about a while ago. We're in the middle of the great tribulation, and it says we are already in who live in heaven. It says live. We're already alive in heaven. So that ends the tribulation debate. We don't go through it. That also places us in the spiritual realm and align with the church epistles. One of the rare instances the spiritual church entity is even mentioned in Revelations. 
That's the page turning of my living book. If we then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are where? Above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Colossians 3.1. Those who want to separate us from heaven or say it's really here below on earth are not enlightened ones. They live in a shallow atmosphere with little or no belief in the spiritual realm. It clearly states that heaven is above and they forgot that God is omnipresent when they glue him to a throne on earth or have no imagination that Christ can rule the Milky Way from the future city of Jerusalem. With all the scripture clearly placing us in the spiritual kingdom of heaven, I choose to seek those things which are above our kingdom reign. It is only logical if we wrestle against spiritual high places that we are in, replace them, that we are going to replace them in these high places when we return with Christ. It clearly states that heaven is above and they forget that God is omnipresent. I read that. I choose to seek those things which are in our kingdom reign. Here's your keys to Galaxy 9. <laughs> I can't wait. Here's the keys to Galaxy 9, our kingdom. Let's examine further. The evidence of our reign from the spiritual kingdom of heaven is predominant throughout the scriptures that are addressed to us. God's chosen family. In 1 Corinthians 6, 2 and 4, we read, Or do you not know that holy ones, born-again spiritual beings, will judge and administer the cosmos? Administer, will reign over the cosmos, which means the universe. If the universe is judged by you, holy ones, do you know that we will judge and administer angels too? Where are angels? They're in heaven. That's the revised English version, people. I didn't write the book. Let's examine further and expand upon the words judge and cosmos. In the context, Paul is reproving them for not taking up their matters before their own believers instead of before the law of unbelievers or the secular community in this life. The judgment of smaller matters pertains to a one-time event concluding in a ruling. In biblical times, in both Old and New Testament, the ruling could be handed down by one as high as a king, but in another life, or in our other life, in the future, the kingdom of God, he refers to our kingdom reign as not a one-time judge, but the word is referring to a rule. We shall rule in a kingdom. Spiritual kingdom in heaven and have authority over means in a domain, principality, area ruled by a prince or a kingdom. We as joint heirs with Christ shall reign in a kingdom of hierarchy. And if chosen and called upon, shall reign as kings. Second Timothy 2.12. If we endure, persevere, and stay the course of our calling, we also reign as kings with him. That's from the One Father, One God Messiah translation, New Testament by Anthony Buzzard. He's a non-Trinitarian, and he's got a gospel book out that's just dynamite. I'll show you his book sometime. 
He lives in my neighborhood here. Met him, come over a few times. He's probably the leading authoritarian anti-Trinitarian in the world. He is. Well, he says, one God, one Father, one Messiah, that we're going to reign as kings with him. That's how he translates it. If we are to reign as kings, then we must give, be given a kingdom. <laughs> Does that make sense? A king has a kingdom. You can't have one kingdom and a million kings. That's what they're trying to think with this new millennium crap. This brings us to the verse or the core of this teaching of truth. I appoint unto you a kingdom. Oh, the sound of my page is turning. The Father has appointed me. Luke 29, 9. You better look at that verse. I didn't write it. This is not referring to just the apostles, and it is referring to their reign over the 12 tribes of Israel. Note in Revelation, the apostles are not present nor even spoken of except a memorial established in their honor. <laughs> are you getting my drift here? They're not alive in paradise. They're already been up in heaven. And the great and holy city Jerusalem and the wall of that city had 12 foundations and in them the names of the 12 apostles. The names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Revelations 21, 10, and 14. The 12 apostles are not present on earth. They are ruling in heaven. The spiritual kingdoms, they were each given. A kingdom given to each one. The 12 tribes of Israel will be present on earth because they didn't get born again. Unless those who were alive at the after the day of Pentecost. Because they are not born again into a spiritual kingdom and inherited the earth as a promised in the Old Testament and the four gospels. Remember when Christ keeps saying the meek shall inherit the earth? <laughs> He's talking to the Jews. They're going to inherit the earth. At no point in time in the Old Testament are the Jews ever told you're going to go to heaven. Never. Not once. You see what these millennials are doing? They're making us sound like we're Jews. They're taking away our glory, our reward. They're stealing it from you. Don't you get it? They are stealing our rewards. They're making you think heaven's just an ordinary place where you go, play harps, and it just gets boring. I mean, they just have ruined so many people's viewpoint. When you have a purpose, when you see the big picture, look through the Hubble telescope. Look at those fantastic photographs. And I'm going to have Robbie print those with the coming podcast. They're gorgeous. You should get a subscription to Astronomy Magazine and see what's out there. I know you walk out your door and you see, oh, the neighbor's dog, the trash is littered on the across the road there. Mm -hmm. That's it. Uh, I see, I look, and I tell people to look constantly. Keep your eye on the big picture. For the suffering of now is not compared to the glory that shall follow you. 
and it's coming to you. It's guaranteed. It's right here in the scriptures. God guarantees it. Guarantees it. That's a good word. Do you not understand to govern that Christians are going to govern and manage the world, cosmos? Here's, let me go back. Let me go back. These are translations from Anthony Buzzer's book, and he's on top of this. You are already filled. You have already become rich. You've already become kings without us and in dicks. And indeed, I wish that you had become king so that we also might reign with you. Paul is reproving them, for they were already acting like kings. <laughs> That's the way we ought to be now. We ought to be walking around acting like kings, because <laughs> we are. I don't know why Paul reproved them, but he did. I guess he just wanted them to stay meek with the word, but I'm going to walk around and act like a king. Hey, you, over there. <laughs> that's, that's the translation of the verse. Paul is reproving him for going around acting like kings in this life. To not jump ahead, be patient, be confident, and be the wishes they were kings already. Oh, no, he says that he wishes they were kings already, indicating they will be in the future spiritual life and future kingdoms. You think you are functioning as kings already, he says, and do not need us. How I wish you were really ruling as kings so we could be ruling in the future kingdom of God with you. Why don't they believe this? You know, they poo-poo Paul. They really do. They just they blow him off as just a peon apostle. When he had the gift, ministry of the mystery. That's beautiful translation there, Dr. Buzzard. I'm going to have to call him. I want to get an interview with him. How would you like that? An interview with the greatest translator of the Trinitarian language in the Bible, which is not in the Bible. Oh, he, he chews them to bets when he debates them. A reminder that all under God, then his Christ, then us, his spiritual children and heirs to the thrones. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul's or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death, all things are present and things to come, including the kingdoms under our rule. Do you not understand, he goes on, to govern that Christians are going to govern and manage the world slash translation cosmos. Remember, I told you the world is either what, an eon, a period of time, or it's a cosmos, it's the universe. If you are going to supervise the world, cosmos, are you not competent to judge the most minor cases? Do you not know that you are going to assess angels? From the footnote of 31, in this verse, 1 Corinthians 6, 2-4, from Anthony Buzzard on page 418 of his commentary, we read, listen to this, this is the destiny of the true believers and it is taught throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, Daniel 2.44, and in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, 
and it shall stand forever. Daniel 7, 14. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, millennial means a thousand, everlasting means what? <laughs> everlasting. Christ's kingdom is everlasting, people. It's not a millennium. I'm reading from the scriptures, not from their theology. And languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. Don't forget that. Our dominion is an everlasting dominion. Your kingdom, here's the case of Galaxy 9. You're going to rule that everlastingly. How does God know that he has foreknowledge? What shall not pass away in this kingdom, that what shall not be destroyed. You know, it says there's a new heaven and a new earth, and the earth is going to pass away and be destroyed. Do you know that? So why in the heck would he put you back here on earth just to be destroyed? These guys flabbergasted me. First Corinthians, we are to rule and reign as kings and kingdoms and dominions. I skipped one. And the king, no, I read Daniel. I'm good. For Paul, this was an elementary truth. For him, it was just elementary. It was just common knowledge. Buzzard concludes in footnote 22, for Paul, this was an elementary truth. In his one God, one Messiah, one man translation. It was uh, basic knowledge to him. It's like math 101, addition, subtraction, and division, multiplication. It was just that elementary to him that we're going to rule in a kingdom. People, I want you to act like kings now. Don't tell them I said to. But I did. I'm telling you to act like kings now. Think about the big picture. Giving thanks unto the Father who has made us adequate. Oh, this is a fantastic verse. If you're sitting there, let me go back one paragraph. We are the chosen and called. We are the spiritual ones, the begotten, foreordained ones, according to 1 Peter, not Israel. Israel is not chosen. Israel is not called. Remember, he said, our inheritance is reserved in heaven. As kings and royal priesthood in our reign, I refer to it as the brotherhood of light. <laughs> hey, King Ravi, how's the light over there in your kingdom? <laughs> how's that million population going? You know, here's the keys to Galaxy 9. Take those keys and reign. But it says, wait till I give you this next verse. For Paul, this was an element. Now, we are chosen. We are a chosen generation, a priesthood, a royal priesthood, that you should show forth praises of him who is called out of darkness into this marvelous light. First Peter 2, 9. We are the chosen and called. I went there. 
Now, here it is, giving thanks unto the Father who has made us adequate. Now, some of you are thinking, well, I'm not prepared to run a kingdom. I don't even know how to saddle a horse. <laughs> I don't know how to swing a sword. Giving thanks unto the Father who has made us adequate. In other words, he's prepared us, the word adequate, and I'm parentheses, prepared rule and reign in a hierarchy. He has already prepared you. When you step and he hands you those kings, boom, automatically the revelation, the light will fill you, and you will know how to reign in a kingdom. You'll know what to do. You'll feel like a king. You'll act like a king. You'll rule like a king. And a queen, two daughters, I don't care. You can be a king. This is an all-inclusive noun. It's talking about you wonderful women, too. You're not going to be subject to a king. You will be equal to a king. Those are my words. God, you got to back me up on that. <laughs> you beautiful queens out there. Absolutely. King Kito, King Ronnie, you're kings, girls. Act like it. Next time a man puts you down, I am king of a kingdom. Who are you to tell me? Now bow down to me. <laughs> and then behead him. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm having fun with this. This is so beautiful. This is why I wrote this book. Because they were dragging us down and down and further away from heaven. Because they were taking us away from the truth. Because they were taking us away from the grace. Away from the mystery. Away from the family of God that he called us to be. Away that we are new creations. Away from the fact that we are, have a greater glory than the Jews. They were all stealing it from us. I can't go to a church without gagging. That's called grieving the spirit. Don't be grieved by the Holy Spirit. Well, that's what it is. When you hear them speak that stuff in a church, you are grieving the Holy Spirit. Oh, I can feel it in me. The gift of Holy Spirit just goes, it wants to throw up somewhere. It does. These lies, these putrid, stinking lies from these false prophets are now abounding like I've never seen. So we must be getting closer and closer. It has to be. We've got a window of time before our Lord and Savior returns to get us, people. Just remember the big picture. You're going to reign in a kingdom. You're not going to go through the great tribulation. No way. No way. I'll be back in a minute. That's not playing anything. You got to love it. So, hold on. Station ID time. Voice of Enigma 2. I don't know what's going on. Hold on. I need a break. You can tell, can't you? I'm out of breath. That's what I call it. Uh, <laughs> when I'm short, shortness of breath. That's what I'm having when I speak this. I get shortness of breath. I don't know why. It's, I feel like I'm walking up the stairs because it's God taking every breath I have, every word I have, every ounce of energy I have to teach this because I believe so strongly in this. This is why I wrote this book. This is why I teach it. This is my calling. Now you take this calling. You're ambassadors. You do it. You do it.
Don't you touch that dial. Don't you go anywhere. Don't you put that teacup down and go to work. You can be 15 minutes late, can't you? God will get you. God will get you out of it. <laughs> He'll find a way. More evidence in our reigning as a hierarchy. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, I'm reading from 1 Peter 5, 4. You shall receive a crown of glory. Well, what does a king receive? A crown that fades not away. My joy and crown, Philippians 3, 4, 4, 1, I mean, excuse me. The crown is for royalty. We've now been declared kings and royal priesthood dispersing the duties once meant for the Jews no more. We have a greater glory because they foretold or they forfeited, big difference, they forfeited the glory of God, offered them the, the glory of God that he offered them. Now we are the chosen. We are the called, out of God, sanctified, holy, and headed for greater promises. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Matthew 12, 5, 12, Luke 6, 23 through 35. Henceforth, there is laid up for us, or for me, a crown of righteousness. Well, even the righteousness we've already seen from God, we're going to get a crown showing it off. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not me only, but unto all of them. Also that love his appearing. Oh, I got to go to my chat room. Where's my chat room? Are you listening? We love you too. Are you listening? Give a thumbs up if you're listening and you're getting this. Please, go to the chat room. Give me some inspiration. <laughs> I love this. This is truth, people. You're being deceived out of your rewards. What if you had a crown sitting there and you go to grab it and somebody snatches it away and runs away with it? That's what they're doing. 
Once you are made aware and believe that this kingdom reign reward is truly a promise to you and, is, and as an obedient child of God, true to the mission that he has given you, sustaining the oracles of God and love is appearing. That's that simple. It's that simple. Thank you who gave me the heart. Now, give me a bunch of hearts then. No thumbs up. Hearts do. <laughs> wow, this is just tremendous. I can't believe the guy who wrote this book. What's his name? The mental buildup of our reward of reigning with God and his Christ in a kingdom appointed unto us more than we could have ever imagined and therefore could should hold our most valued solution. Did I say valued solution? I have dyslexic reading. Attention <laughs> of the heart and mind and clarity devoid of any clouded or unclear vision of an idea of our glorious future powers and activities. I am not going to reign here on a millennial kingdom with a bunch of Jews. I'm not going to do it. God said, no, you're out of here. Separate yourself from, says to separate ourselves from them long time ago. And those people who are raising Cain and causing our attention and filling up the news are not Jews. They're extinct. They're dead. They're already dead. Buried bones in Israel. God says so in Ezekiel 37. You see them bones, Ezekiel? They're all Israel is dead. So I don't give a crap what happens over there. I love to hear people living a full life, an abundant life, and a lovely life, but without Christ, you can't have it. And they've always denied him. They're the ones that crucified him. They're not going to get the abundant life. For by now, after knowing, you ought to be teachers. I want you out there to be teachers because of the time you have had to learn these truths. Instead, have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Be strong meat. You see these churches out there, they keep drinking the milk like out of a baby's bottle when he says, praying in the name of Jesus. He's a baby with a bottle in his mouth. That's exactly who they are. They're baby Christians. They're milk toast Christians, if they're even Christians at all. Trinitarians is what they are. That's it. They're Trinitarians, simply and plain. Look at their... Statement of belief below every church. We believe in the three in one. No doubt about it. It's all over the Bible. We don't. Go to our tyranny of the Trinity Facebook. We will outbeat you. We will outtalk you. We will outteach you. We will find scriptures to hundred scriptures to your one. That will defeat and belittle this Trinitarian idolatry culture. But I digress. The oracles of God. I love that verse, the oracles of God. But strong meat belongs to them that are what? Of full age. Ravi, Ketu, Chotu, all of you, all you Kumars are of, are of full age. It's time to act your age. <laughs> time to act your age. And if you are full age, that means you are initiated into the mystery, and that means you are an enlightened one. That's simply what it means. 
Let us go into the let us oh my oh this is wonderful and are become such as have need of milk. Let us go unto what perfection, perfection, being one of the initiated into the fullness of the mystery, including the kingdom reign. That's it. That's why I wrote the book that you would be initiated into the mystery. into the fullness of the mystery, including our kingdom reign. You see, part of the mystery is that we are going to reign in a kingdom. <laughs> That's why they don't teach it. They don't believe it. Therefore, let us get past the elementary stage in the teachings about Christ. This is in Hebrews, people, I believe. Let's get past the elementary Advancing on the maturity and perfection and spiritual completeness. That's what I want from you. That's what I want for you. That's why we are Christ in a mystery mission in India and Philippines and China and Ukraine and everywhere we go. It's Christ in you. And this will we do if God permits, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted or experienced the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the gift of Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world of the age to come. What powers of the age to come? Whoa, wait a second. It says powers of the age to come. We're going to get more power. Woo! Look out, Spider-Man. Look out, Iron Man. Look out, Avengers. We're coming for you. What powers over the age to come? The powers God has given us to rule and reign as kings. All of the glorious operations and responsibilities he has equipped us for in our heavenly kingdoms of the kingdom. That's what I call it. The heavenly kingdoms of the kingdom. There's kingdoms in a kingdom. But there's not a million kings in one kingdom. That's what I'm trying to get across. They don't explain that part. For it is impossible to once those who were once enlightened have the powers. Well, what powers? All the glorious operations. If they shall fall away, this is what's impossible to do. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance. In other words, if you fall away from your rewards, it's impossible to renew them again unto being born again. You're still going to be saved, born again, have eternal life. You just gave up your rewards. You just gave up your kingdom. I'm sorry. You're going to get up there and you're going to find out, wait a minute, I got born again, I got saved, I spoke in tongues, and I just went off to fishing for, for years, the rest of my life. I took a vacation. You didn't answer your calling. You did not answer your mission. It's in Philippians. Now, I tell you, Christ, God, and me, your pastor, <laughs> I'm not your pastor. I'm your movement leader. That's what I am. I'm your king. <laughs> I'm a king of my own kingdom. However, God will guide you like a bicycle. Hey, wait a minute. Turn the bars just a little bit. You're just a little bit off. Not much. Just a little bit. There you go. You're back on course. Now he's got you on course to receive your kingdom. He doesn't want you to lose it. He wants you to have it. He's got it sitting there waiting for you. He's got the keys waiting to give you. So when you get off course, you don't have to get born again again. 
You're already saved. You're already his child. He's giving you the keys. He's got you ready. He's got your back. What powers of age to come? The powers of God has given us to rule and reign as kings, all of the glorious operations and responsibilities he has equipped us for in our heavenly kingdoms of kingdom. And if that's too fast for you people who speak Hindi, learn English. <laughs> I love my beautiful children. Yay, you can't renew them again if you get sidetracked. By not repenting, you already saved and are heaven bound. It cannot be undone. But when I say there's no turning back, this knowledge and the truth of the kingdom reign strengthens and makes it easier for our resolve to stay in the faith and on our mission course. That's what it did for me. Once I found this out for truth, I did no turning back. My God, once you know in this world that you have a kingdom the size of Andromeda, Milky Way, waiting for you, there's no turning back. There's nothing worth it. There's nothing worth giving that up for. Here's his promise. I love this, and this is the part what I'm really talking about. I press toward the mark. This is in Philippians 3, 14 and 15. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's our kingdom reign, our precious rewards reserved for us in heaven. That's the high calling. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect. Perfect means knowing full well initiated perfected ones in the fullness of the mystery, including our reign. It doesn't mean you're without flaws. It just means you're perfect. Perfect in what God's vocabulary means you've been initiated into the mystery. That you know you have a kingdom coming to you. Now you are perfect. How wonderful. God is constantly guiding us and directing us to stay on our mission course. I didn't finish that. Knowing this, how you cannot be mindful, knowing full well, initiated, perfected ones in the fullness of the mystery, including our reign, thus be minded. Knowing this, how can you not be mindful of it? But stay mindful of it <laughs> and continue looking forward to this ultimate, eternal destiny. I mean, write it on your forehead. And if anything, you be otherwise minded. That's when you get off the reservation. We get otherwise minded. I've done it myself. God's got my attention. I'll tell you how he got my attention. He put me in prison one time for breaking a window. That way I sat down. I worked a word. I reread it. I read it. I read it. And they gave me a higher sentence and a higher sentence. I stayed there. That's God's way of getting your attention, and I'm back. I'm not ashamed of it. Paul was writing all these epistles from prison. They had a higher calling. But stay mindful, wandering away to something that seems more instantly gratifying. That's what it is. Distracted or deceived into wavering or wandering away to something that seems more instantly 
gratifying. There's the key. Instantly. In other words, you can't wait for the kingdom. You want something now. God shall reveal even this to you. Smack. Boy, did he smack me. He got my attention. Boom. Close those bar doors. Well, all I had was a Bible and a pen. <laughs> what was I going to do? How wonderful God is constantly guiding us and directing us to stay on our mission course so we do not forfeit, water down, or even lose our reward. This is why there is no turning back, people. We are walking by the Spirit. Then he will always correct our course, even if it seems harsh at the time. You might get in a, I don't want to say this, you might get in some sort of trouble or some sort of wrong turn in a car, health-wise, whatever it is. Then pick up the book and the word and take a pen and start reading it and get back on course. Find out what it is he wants you to know. Now that we have established that our future judgment is given to rule and have authority over in a hierarchy even as kings, let's examine just exactly what the domains and the kingdoms of heaven are. Are you ready? I am. I'm ready to examine these kingdoms and domains. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he, God, shall reign forever and ever. Revelations eleven fifteen. Wait a minute. Is forever and ever a thousand years? <laughs> I'm not a false prophet. I won't lie to you. No, no, no. Forever and ever is forever and ever. If it was just a thousand years, I'd kind of go, well, I don't know when the thousand years are up, what happens? These buffoons can't read the Bible. Let me repeat that. The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he, God, shall reign forever and ever. Revelations, it says, even. Notice the kingdom. kingdoms are plural in the King James Version. And the Greek word for world is cosmos. From where we get our current English word cosmos with a C, the dictionary reads the cosmos is the sum total of everything. The sum total of everything. We're getting there. Notice the kingdoms are plural. I did that. It's hard to wrap your mind around the cosmos as it extends far beyond the Milky Way and far beyond galaxies or even our own universe. Cosmos is originally a Greek word meaning both, order and world. Because the ancient Greeks thought that the world was perfectly harmonious and impeccably put in order. <laughs> we now know, we now use cosmos without the idea of perfect order. Now it means all of creation and particularly on the scale of stars and the planets and black holes in the universe and all the elements we don't know about. We still have things to learn. Remember Joel said there'll be signs in the heaven. I'm seeing them. Signs for me or four deer in the yard. <laughs> 
I see four beautiful deer in the yard, and that's just a sign from God for me. But you look at the whole pictures. I'm just kidding. Wow. It's astonishing. I'm going to have Robbie. Robbie, you're going to include these pillars of God, these Hubble photographs on our next podcast or somewhere where people can see what I'm talking about. You get excited about your kingdom. The kingdoms of this world, cosmos, universe, have become the kingdoms of Jehovah and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever, not a millennium. We will populate these firmaments of kingdoms forever. The kingdoms of this vast universe expand beyond what we can see, which in prior ages was invisible to the naked eye, and fill our optical lenses with awe and grand wonder of infinity in millions of colors that provide information that brings us scientifically closer to God. They don't know it. Scientists are bringing us closer to God through Hubble. Jesus Christ was the Hubble telescope of his time as he magnified the invisible God and his word through optics for that anyone who was truly seeking could view God in a new living splendor as Jesus was the word in manifestation later to be exalted and glorified with God just as we will be also. Here's more evidence that the cosmos included the entire rulership of the universe that was originally created in Genesis 1-1 is under the rulership and authority of the kingdom of heaven. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, the cosmos, the universe, but was manifest in these last times for you. That's Jesus Christ. Referring to the foundation of the universe or creation of the heavens. <laughs> you are getting enlightened, people. The original was firmament or expanse of the universe. Did you know that they didn't know that the universe was expanding or that this... Uh, Galaxy was expanding. I don't know. We were expanding. You know what the word firmament means? It means the expanse. Well, Moses knew it 4,500 years ago. Scientists just discovered it around the turn of the century. Referring to the foundation of the universe or the creation of the heavens, one would think, what is referred to in Genesis, however, that it is not the case. The original vast firmament or expanse in the universe, heaven, was created in perfect order and balance. There are two words translated foundation, thamelios and two, katabole, yet they two entirely different meanings. Thamelios is a buildup or laying foundation. This word is never used with cosmos, kataboleo, or kataboli. However, means a casting down or overthrow. That is the word used here in Ephesians. First Peter and First Peter, which is referring to the overthrow of the original creation by Satan in Genesis 1-2. And the earth became without form and void. They missed the word, a real important word there. They translated the word became as was. The earth became that way. It didn't get created that way. 
before the overthrow of the universe, you know, Satan wanted to be God, and he took a third of the angels with him. That's how they became devil's bears. What a bunch of fools. Before the overthrow of the universe is a better working translation. In Ephesians 1 and Peter, to whom God gave authority and rulership over the original heaven is not mentioned, but it was before Adam and Eve. So it must have been a spiritual kingdom ruled by a hierarchy of angels, including Lucifer. That's right. Lucifer was his bright and morning star. Lucifer, who's now the devil, was the bright and morning star, God's number one. Well, Lucifer rebelled and took a third of the angels with him. That's in... Uh, well, that's in everywhere. It's in my book. Isaiah, Genesis, Rebellion, Overthrow of the First Social System, Schofield Bible, Commentary Notes from the Bollinger Bible, Journey Through Acts and Epistles, Walter Cummins. It's all over people. Everybody knows that there was an overthrow of Satan and his angels who became the darkness that's speaking of. You know what darkness is? It's just merely the absence of light. And in the absence of light, there's what? No form, no void. There's no form. How can you have any form if there's no light? God's word is just perfect. So it took a third of the angels with them. Chaos ensued, and the cosmos became ruin. However, the point is, that the kingdom of heaven includes the entire universe, the cosmos, which will be under our rulership according to God's plan that is the grandest part of the mystery. I'm going to read two more paragraphs, and I'm going to let you go, and next week, part three, we'll be comparing the heavens from other authors, and I've got an author who compares Everything that I'm teaching is accurate. I found someone who believes in it also. When Adam was created, man was given rulership over the earth. The rulership was transferred unto Satan, the fallen angel Lucifer. When Adam sinned, it is obvious that Satan had rulership over the domains and kingdoms also. Again, the devil takes him. Remember Jesus' temptations? These blow my mind. Again, the devil takes him into an exceeding high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms, plural, of the world, the cosmos, and they glory in them. Here the kingdoms are referenced among the entire cosmos. Another reference to Satan having current reign is in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, in whom the God of this world, Greek, ion, meaning the age, in the context, he is the God of this age, which began in Genesis with the fall of man. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality, powers, and dominions, the rulers of darkness of this world, or this age, against the spiritual wickedness on high places. Ephesians 6, 12. For we do not wrestle against faith, or excuse me, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers of 
against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, over dark age, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. That's the ESV version. Spiritual cosmic forces in a dark age, a period in which we must overcome with our God, given spiritual powers, and a hope of his return to restore the cosmic kingdoms to Christ, the children of the Most High God, and place us in our rightful positions and kingdom reign. Here's the keys to Galaxy 9, <laughs> my child. The entire creation of the universe is waiting for the children of God to restore the galaxies, galactic kingdoms, and rule from the heavens of the earth. The entire That's in Romans 8. You can read it. The entire universe is feeling like it's aching. It's, it's sick until we return. That's what it means. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us and for us, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God and the daughters of God. I'm including you ladies. I know what the word says. Sons is an all-inclusive name. It's just a position. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage of corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. People, there's wars going on around the world. There's not one war that's going to be saved by a tank. Not one war is going to be saved by a bullet. Not one person is going to be ruled by a king of the earth or a president. Or an Arab wearing glowing cloth. Or a ruler like Napoleon. Or a dictator like Hitler. Or a dictator like Stalin. This world is going to be ruled and taken over by God. And we are his sons. And we will rule his kingdoms that he gives us. That's what a king does. Not willingly because of him who subjected in the hope the creation itself will be set free from the bondage to corruption and obtain freedom and glory of it, the children. Last chapter, last verse. Not last chapter. This is the last verse. Romans 18, 21. When, they, when this awakens the big picture inside your heart and your soul, you have truly reached the point of no turning back. It is called the event horizon. The event horizon is a scientific word, meaning you're standing at the foot of a black hole. You can't turn back. You are, there's no turning back. You have already arrived. People, this is your host, Mystic Guide. This has been part two of your kingdom reign. We've gone over, but it's worth going over, over time, that is. I love you all. God bless you. Praise God. Keep God's word and keep the big picture in mind. You are heaven bound and all hell and all these false prophets cannot stop you.